Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nolcast. So, Bud, excited to uh, continue with our position preview series here tonight. Uh, we will jump into that. As we've kind of done every other pod or so, we'll continue to provide kind of a camp update and ideas to what we've heard, uh, where guys are uh, kind of getting to the end of preseason camp at this point. Most of the position battles have taken place. Your Notre Dame install is probably going to start in the next 42 to 72 hours. So, um, you know, we've got a, a decent idea as to what the first 11 is going to look like on either side of the ball. And uh, we'll talk about that and continue to move into uh, the second of our final position previews with the defensive back. So, as always, we'll thank our friends at Louisiana Hot Sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product, longtime title sponsor of the Nolcast. And the good people at Tarpon Sellers, if you are joining us tonight via video, Bud's got the Tarpon Sellers hat. Sent that on down to him as uh, Bud's much more of a hat man than I am. And uh, they are great wine company and produce a pretty cool looking hat as well. So if uh, you're concerned about hats when you choose a wine company, know that they've uh, got that end of the equation covered as well. And with that, let's uh, let's jump into this uh, let's jump into this pod tonight, Bud. Let's do it, man. Um, you mentioned that we have a pretty good feel for who the starting 11 will likely be on both sides of the ball. And I, I think you're right about that. Uh, I, I kind of wish we could see them all out there together. Uh, not not being negative here, but uh, as you know, the the load management, as FSU wants to call it, has uh, has been pretty, uh, pretty aggressive there at practice. And same thing for the scrimmage on Sunday. A lot of guys who you and I would view as starters. I know FSU doesn't love people discussing who's going to be starting and whatnot, but uh, don't really care. Uh, I, I a lot of guys who we think are going to be starters did not play in the scrimmage, and I think in many cases, I bet you Mike Norvell is telling the truth when he says, "Look, we know these guys are going to start. We don't want them getting banged. We're going to hold them out." I will also tell you they have guys out for for contact tracing right now and positive tests, and some guys with, you know, like. If you got the vaccine on Saturday, you may feel kind of kind of crappy on Sunday. It does seem to happen a little bit, not you know for a week or something, but you know for a day or two. Uh, but yeah, uh, good reports on Jordan Travis out of the scrimmage. Some of the young guys got into the act, uh, you know, rushing the passer off the edge. But from what I understand, I mean they they really didn't have a lot of their guys, and it was not a real representative look of what you're going to get in the season from from a lot of the starters on both sides of the ball. But you also got a decent chance to scope out some of the young dudes, which which is encouraging. Let's start with a positive. One, no new injuries. That is good stuff. You, you know, you'll continue to slap each other pretty good and, uh, you know, good on good. And you're not done with, with uh, camp by any means. But like I said, you are going to start to transition into uh, install for Notre Dame. Doesn't mean that you're guaranteed not to get injuries. But let's just, you know knock on wood here and say that the time of camp in which injuries were most likely to occur, you have kind of gotten through that window to our knowledge without any type of injury that's going to significantly shape your depth chart for the 2021 season. And that is for a program that needs healthy bodies. That's really good news. Some guys being out of practice. You mentioned some guys maybe even being out of practice because they've gotten their second shot. That is great news. Uh, you put out a tweet about a week ago or so following up on a conversation that we had. I think both of us are much more optimistic that Florida State has at least a very legitimate chance to get to that 85 number, whereas two weeks ago, I was concerned that they didn't. Uh, they have done a good job 
it's taken a hell of an effort. Uh, and that's, you know, just a, a challenge and no need for us to go into the details as to why, but they've, uh, they've done all they could to get to this number. They've got to get to this number, particularly if you look at some of the, uh, maybe even putative actions that take place. If you're the wrong end of a forfeit this year, Florida state and the ACC can't have that. You've got to get to 85. I think that they are much more optimistic than ever that they will get to that number. So uh, I think that's a real positive note to kind of circle back on a previous conversation that we had and we will keep our fingers crossed that they get there. But on the vaccine end, it looks like things have gone in the right direction over the past two weeks or so. I kind of want to expound a little bit behind the scenes. I, I was I was reading some of these protocols, and it's not necessarily everybody's on scholarship, right? It's everybody on your roster. So much like they did and like other programs did, they basically let the walk-ons know, no vax, you're not here. Now, with the scholarship player, it's a little bit different due to leverage. But it's not that different. If you're the starting potential starting quarterback, right? Even if you haven't been here very long, you may have an argument for, for not getting it if, if that's that's your personal belief. I'm not going to get into that. You have some leverage because you could really impact the team. You know, if you're a really good defensive back, you may be able to get away with saying, nah, I'm going to be in that 15% deal with it. And that's a and that look, I don't want to say it's okay because I, I think you should probably get it, but. This happens in business and in all walks of life on any kind of team dynamic. If you're really, really good, remember the Jordan rules? The things are not the same. You know, you, you have leverage because of your talent and of your value. If you are a player on the team who is not going to get it and you're like third string, there's no rule that says just to be on scholarship that you have to stay on the roster. They can be like, hey, you're on scholarship. We're not putting you on the roster. You're not going to practice with us. You're not going to lift with us, et cetera. If they're at like 83% and they got a couple third stringers who have, who have messed around and not got it or just flat out told them they're not going to get it, I think those guys are going to be sitting at home. I like. There's no option for them to, to risk losing millions of dollars because they, they're at 81 or 82 and all of a sudden they're having to test three times a week and contact trace and all that crap. Uh, that's just not going to be an option. So... I mean, if you're a player on this team and you're not a likely starter, I think you need to think very carefully if you want to actually stay on the team. Because if I'm Mike Norvell, boom, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone. I'm not getting fired a couple of years down the road because I finished, you know, two and ten because of a bunch of forfeits, because of some third stringer who I'm probably going to try to get hit the transfer portal in a year or two anyway, messed it up for me by not not getting the shot. That is one of the reasons, I believe, for increased confidence there. If they need to start mowing down some scholarship guys, as opposed to just eh, maybe phrasing, if they need to start kind of you know, moving some guys off the roster, you, you can keep, keep your scholarship, you can go to class. Just don't need you around the team to, to count against the 85%. By any means necessary. You know, I mean, you you got to get there. You know, Like you said, you, you've only got so many games you can win this year. You can't go back-to-back three-win seasons and because you lost two opportunities at some of these games that you had a real legit chance of winning. Um, so we will uh, continue to talk about this subject as unfavorable as it is uh, for us, but it's just a fact of the situation. And it is, if there was any other topic out there, bud, that could determine two or three wins uh, or two or three games on your season, 
we would talk about it. We would have to talk about it. And uh, hopefully the conversations that we continue to have about it are Florida State continuing to progress and get closer to that 85 number. Um, let's see, where do we want to go here? There's There's been some recent discussion about kind of the reshaping of the 25-man uh, rule when it comes to recruiting classes. That's uh, probably a discussion that we need to have here and the impact that it could have on Florida State. Much like the vaccine thing, I feel like we've been way ahead of this. You know, we, at AC Media Day, we told you that the issue was dangerously low and they need to really get it up and need to get their ass in gear. Uh, this is something we've talked about for a while, that FSU was in a position to capitalize on the scholarship crunch uh, being created by all the super seniors, by a lot of teams taking a lot of players last year and the year before. And FSU has room to take a full 25 of high school players. And they're the beneficiary, for sure, for some of these kids who don't have a spot at like a Georgia or a Bama or somewhere else. We talk about this in almost every show. We talk about it with Earl Little, right? What if what if Earl Little doesn't go to Bama? What if they fill up for some reason? Which I don't think they're going to fill up, but what if it happens? They're in a pretty good spot for him. I think there's a number of guys on their roster who easily could be on other rosters if those schools had room. So they have been the beneficiary of, this, of the limit so far. Now, Ross Dellinger of SI reported that the NCAA officials are moving closer to an immediate expansion of the annual 25-person signing limit as a way for coaches to replace players they've lost to the burgeoning transfer portal. The NCAA Division I Football Oversight Committee, blah, 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 has finalized a proposal that would change the signing limit this cycle. So right now, and what's being described as a one-year waiver of relief until a permanent policy is created. Uh, anyway, um, sensitive nature, this could encourage people to kick kids off the team. Of course it could. However, the compromise is uh, finally emerging among a group of proposals. Under the plan, schools can sign 25 new players while gaining additional signee spots for every player who transfers out of their program, up to a certain limit. The extra spots will be based on the number of players who enter the transfer portal under their own volition and will be capped at a figure such as seven. So let's say if it's seven, 25 plus seven, if you did max out, that would be 32 new players. From a high school recruiting standpoint, that's not, that's not great news for FSU right now. They do not need increased competition when they're probably going to have a difficult season. This camp has not been, let's just say it, right? They've had a lot of guys out with contact tracing stuff. They've had a lot of, a lot of issues. One of the two quarterbacks has been very limited. The other guy's also missed some time, as we know. So, this is not great. However, in pre-show, you brought up a really interesting point here, and I, I think it's something we should talk about. They actually could use this to, to their advantage in totality for recruiting, even if we both agree it's probably not a great thing for their 2021 2021 high school recruiting that comes to pass with their expanded role in the portal you're talking about yeah yeah i mean i i don't think they're going to take the numbers that they did this year i don't think you're gonna be looking at eight new additions wouldn't shock me if they don't flirt with six or something like that i mean florida state's going to stay active in this area if they expand and there are some position groups that you're almost going to have to fill uh particularly if uh you know just Kids come and go. Uh, I, I, you know, there's some there's some places where I could see a roster that doesn't look like it would necessarily be attractive for a portal guy needing a portal guy within six months. Uh, 
I think Florida State stays active here. I think, uh, you know, we've talked about their geographic location is certainly very favorable to kids that want to come back and play, you know, their final one to three years, whether it be they're from South Georgia or Florida or whatever. Uh, this is going to be the waters that they kind of have to swim in and have to kind of, uh, you know, continue to address a roster and, and find pieces that fit. So uh, I don't think they're going to go away from the portal. They'll certainly sign an awful lot of high school kids this year. We've talked about that, you know, not going to waver on that, but uh, they're not. You know, the portal is going to be something that Florida State has to utilize for the next three years, in my opinion, pretty heavily. What about linebacker? Like that could easily be a spot where they need they need to go get a portal kid. It, it's not like the the talent on their roster right now is very good, or or that it's been flashing. No linebacker. I mean, I know people didn't like the linebacker preview, and we're certainly not the only people that are concerned with that group. But we're it's it hasn't been good, y'all. I mean, the the word that we've continued to get has not been fun and we'll uh you know we'll do a tough total season preview or season preview in totality and we can talk a little bit more about that group but i love lundy i uh, he kidding me a state champion wrestler from the state of georgia i mean that, that's one of my favorite players on the roster my man that's a middle linebacker from 1991 i i, I mean I'm, I'm glad to hear that he's playing well but i, I just you don't think 255 is, 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 a, is a duck hanger situationally how maybe first down i mean i i just don't know in 2021, how frequently you can really have that kid on the field? Please prove me wrong. I'm not. Look, I want Lundy to be an All-American. Trust me. But 258 pounds at linebacker. Uh, unless you're one of these freaks that plays for 10 years on Sunday, I, I am concerned with how that transitions to the modern college football game. I agree with you, right? And I think one of the reasons why he's getting that much burn and that much love is because other guys just aren't. Coming along. It is what it is. He is physical. Uh, also, want to give credit to Brendan Sinone. He reported that DJ Williams had a uh, had a big-time scrimmage. That, that's an interesting development and, and one that I really did not see coming. I, I kind of thought they had whiffed on, on that take, potentially, or that it would take longer uh, than it seemingly has, but apparently he had a good scrimmage. Now, was it against a bunch of backups on the defensive line? I was told that it was. So, you know, we'll see how he looks otherwise, but Still, that's encouraging. Yeah, been told he's had uh, past two practices in the scrimmage have been the best of Williams' looks since he put a gold helmet on his head. So hopefully he continues to trend in the right direction and uh, you know we continue to have as many options as possible at running back. Corbin's continued to look strength. Uh, Toe Philly, they'll try to find ways to use him as much as possible. But uh, if Williams can be in the third man and a three-man rotation, then you know you've got some got some pieces to work with there. So uh, we mentioned high school recruiting, right? And taking high schoolers. I heard you had a chance to see a pretty special high school. Man, I was, I did. Um, so <laughs> interesting evening, bud. And the fact that it's, it's called the Corky Cal classic in Georgia, they do it every year. First game of the year, or, or one of the first games of the year. And they play four or five games over the course of the day. I think the first games at maybe 1045 in the morning or something like that. The game is scheduled to kick off at 8.45. It kicks at a cool 10, 19 p.m., but uh, So I saw the first half. It ended, the first half ended at 11.41, and they've got a 21-minute halftime thing. I looked up at the clock. I'm like, okay, this is, we're literally not going to kick until, tw- until midnight. I don't know that that's, uh, I've, I necessarily feel comfortable watching high school kids post-midnight play football. So I only saw the first half. Uh, I saw all that I needed to. I mean, Jordan or Jordan Travis. Travis Hunter is what I thought he was. And the only thing that I didn't get to see that I wish I would have 
is I never saw him really get a chance to put it in fifth or sixth gear. No, like just flat out run. Uh, I didn't get us to see a straight line speed. We're not a Missouri podcast, but I will say that the four-star quarterback, his teammate that's committed to Missouri, thoroughly unimpressed. Uh, Travis Hunter's first half stat line with moderately better quarterback play could have legitimately been four touchdowns for 250 yards. Uh, Brookwood also, and we're not a high school football podcast, but Brookwood, interestingly enough, was comfortable with either of their quarterbacks and or cornerbacks and at time of safety playing one-on-one with Hunter, uh, which is a, a bold move. Uh, and <laughs> if I'm a high school defensive back, I've got to be like, hey, uh, that's the number one wide receiver in the country. And I'm a you know, sophomore. I, I'm having a hard time staying with him one-on-one, coach. Uh, but, I mean, from what you saw over the summer, what I saw in person, maybe the best prospect I've ever seen at being able to go up and high point a ball. I mean, just an elite. I, I From a Florida State perspective, kind of like to not see him play again. I don't love him, you know, constantly jumping up. And uh, even in warmups, I was like, ooh, that's we, – we don't need to do that. But uh, just an elite skill at going up, timing the ball, going and getting it. Incredibly shifty. You would expect this for an elite high school prospect, but you can tell in game he's not even really concerned about the first man. I mean, he, he's kind of looking past him, setting up blocks for second, third tackle options. Um you got to do what's right by this kid. You've you've got the relationship there with the defensive back coach. You've sold him on being a potential top five pick in three years. Defensive backs make a hell of a lot of money. But, man, I don't see how you don't utilize this kid at wide receiver, bud. I mean, for, for a roster that is desperately in need of young talent, kid's just ridiculously fluid. Uh, again, I didn't get to see the straight line speed. That's my only regret, and that's in fault part to his quarterback. Uh, overthrew him on a play over the middle that I really wish they would have connected with because he would have had to outrun two safeties with an angle, and that would have been a good judge of that. But Travis Hunter is what I thought he was. Now on defense, hard to even judge. He looks disinterested at times, and that's what's going to happen when you're the best defensive back in the country and people just don't throw at you. That's uh, that's kind of a, not not the first elite defensive back that hasn't been tested a whole lot of senior year. So a guy that uh, it's kind of awkward to see a high school kid that constantly has six or seven cameras in his face during warmups. Uh, I could do, I could do without that, but the camera crew follow him around or, or a couple, everybody. I mean, it looked like everybody that could get a credential uh, followed him around in warmups and stretches coming out of the tunnel, everything. So, you know, maybe that's just me being an old man. Uh, but uh, so, you know, certainly the center of attention, best player in the country, and what I saw on Saturday night only affirmed my opinion of that. He's just different, man. I, I, it's hard to describe it because he doesn't. Did you appreciate the smoothness in person? Like he's not a he's not a violent runner, right? He's but he is separating. The fluidity is off the mark. I mean, the, he he has a double move for his uh, first either first or second touchdown. That is just silly. I mean, uh, again, you're you're asking a high school DB to match one on one with Hunter, which is dumb but the smoothness the he's got a little bit of the peter warwick dead leg uh there's a lot to be excited about there and you've got a i know the idea is to kind of use him like georgia used champ bailey 20 25 years ago uh bailey was getting 13 to 18 touches a game on the offensive side of the ball at times yeah i mean maybe even more i mean you've just got to use this kid as much as possible and it will be fascinating to see how they how they try to do that but uh you know good problems to have and a 
you know, one of the better high school football players I've ever seen. Guys who we were very confident on this show would start for FSU if they could have just simply skipped their senior year of high school. All right, Evan Neal was one. Very confident he would have done so. That offensive line was hot garbage. Did we say Derwin back in the day? I'm trying to think of like the first guy we said this about. I can't remember if we said that about Derwin or not, to be honest. Uh, I mean, Florida State was a little bit of a different place from a existing talent, but you know, Derwin is Derwin, uh, so wouldn't have shocked me. There's been somebody we've said this about recently, and I, I, I'm trying to figure out it was. Um, do you remember? I'm sure the audience will, will remember, and I'm not even sure if we were right about it. So if we were wrong, tell us if we were right, tell us too. Certainly, we've been wrong before. This kid would start for a shoot receiver right now. Instantly. And it would be their best receiver. You would be there. Right he and McLean, I mean, he'd be their best receiver. But you'd have two freshmen that are two true freshmen that are your best wide receivers. And not a doubt in my mind about that. It is kind of crazy to think a guy who has played one game of the senior year of high school would be the best receiver at FSU right now. I dare say you might build your offense around this kid if he was available uh, right now. I mean, he would be the guy. Fun to see him. Let's hope for no injuries. And that's my comment on that. I also think it was either, I don't think it was his mom. I think it was his aunt. Or I don't know these kids' family members and stuff like that, but uh, some really beautiful Florida State attire being worn by the Hunter family. So uh, you got to continue to have a decent degree of confidence that this ends up uh, with the, you know, with the storyline ending that most Florida State fans wanted to. Oh. Yeah, I, I anticipate that it will. Freezing cold takes if it doesn't, but I, I think it will. Something else I'm confident will work out is if you go with the legendary team. That's right, Shannon and Chad, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. If you want a loan, refi, tremendous experience. Did you see Shannon's recent email? I, I mean, we've got a guy that's done four loans now. That's ridiculous. I also want to point out, but I was doing, I was going back and listening to the DB preview from last year, right? And boy, we were lying to our listeners. <laughs> I am sorry, y'all. We were, I know we get tagged as sometimes like being negative. Oh, we were blowing optimistic smoke up your rear last year. So, but my point being there, we were celebrating our 80th loan a year ago from, uh, from then. And we're what it, in the 180s at this point. So 100 home loans in 365 days, that is uh, a good partnership for everybody involved, most certainly. All right, so let's get some shout-outs to our legendary listeners. Uh, John from Boston, who actually bought a home in Florida. Look at that. Got a listener in Boston, calls him up, hey, I want, I want to get a house down in Florida. Awesome there. That might be the first time we had to send a, uh, send a shirt to a guy uh, in the Northeast. Uh, Andrew and Michelle, congrats on your new spot in Sarasota. Uh, Andrew in Tallahassee. And then uh, Drew and Lindsay, their second loan with us, uh, fraternity brother of mine, actually. So congratulations to y'all in Jacksonville. Sweet. And one more. Hashtag, where are our six wins? I, I love Shannon's emails. <laughs> These are great. Uh, congrats, to, uh, congrats to Robert. Awesome, dude. Third and fourth loans. That is that is incredible. We, we I think if you get four loans to legendary, we, we need to find find somebody to do something special for you. Yeah, I think Chad needs to send you, you know, aged, uh, you know, A five Wagyu or something like that. Yes, uh, that's that's our new. Uh, thanks, Chad. <laughs> uh, that's our new. That's when you hit five, you get A five Wagyu sent to you. That's that'll be the new uh, the new carrot that we hang out there. So I'm uh, being. Uh, disingenuous please don't expect 
to have rare uh, Japanese cows sent to you, or at least uh, don't hold me responsible for it. With these guys, though, dude, like there is a possibility that, that they do so. Uh, most certainly. Most certainly. All right. So uh, anything else we want to touch on in kind of our general conversation here before we move to the defensive backs? Yeah, been, been a pretty positive first 25 minutes. Let's, let's give them 25 more, and we'll just knock both these out in the same, uh, same podcast. So defensive backs. Last year, pretty uh, one major bright spot, a guy who you know, went fairly high in the draft and was awesome, and a bunch of other guys who were not very good at all. So Asante Samuel Jr., big, big loss up that team, a quarterback rating allowed of, or QBR allowed of 22. Pretty damn good. I would not throw at him if I could throw at the rest of FSU secondary last year. 23% forced incompletions, only 4.1 yards per attempt when targeted. Now, despite that, yeah, they were 112th in passing success rate allowed, which means everybody else was essentially lit on fire coming out of the tunnel, and uh, nobody poured any kind of water on that thing. Uh, only 58th in marginal explosiveness allowed against the pass, which to me tells me that they, uh, they did an okay job stopping the bomb more often than not, but they would routinely get tore up on short and intermediate, which, uh, you know, what else tells me that? My eyes. So, uh, and 67% completions allowed, which is kind of video game-ish. David Hale, ESPN ACC reporter, guy we have a lot of respect for and who studies the conference uh, as a whole, I think probably better than anybody else out there. His preseason rank for this defensive back position, and we've done this on every single uh, position that we've done so far, and we go and talk about if that's fair or unfair. His position rank... 13 out of 14. Thank God for Syracuse. Yeah, we did a defensive line preview where Florida State was 13 out of 14, and we were pretty adamant that we didn't think that was accurate, perhaps by a significant margin. Uh, there are some great pieces here. There are some things to be optimistic about, but I'm not sure that this one is quite the swing and a miss. So we'll see. I, you know, I like what you have here. I like long-term what you have here an awful lot. Um, but uh, we were exceptionally optimistic last year. I mean, I, I'm trying to go back and confirm this, so paraphrase me, don't quote me. I think I had Florida State being the second best secondary in the in the uh, conference, and Bud possibly predicting them as the best. Didn't happen. Don't accuse us of not getting it optimistically wrong every once in a while as well, and that was certainly the case last year. So, uh, yeah, Samuel is a loss. You're right. He continues to do great things so far. Uh, as he carves out a pro career for himself, and that uh, is nothing but great to see, and I certainly wish him the best. Uh, when we start the conversation about guys that would take over his role at corner, um, Travis J is the first one that comes to mind. Travis J has had an exceptional camp. I, I'm almost afraid that the fan base is getting too optimistic as to what J will look like, and I am have kind of long been the leader of the Travis J fan club, if you want to say as such. I'm hearing things like, Oh, he could be an All-American. Let's let's slow play that a little bit. But Jay has been uh, maybe one of the, your four best players in camp so far. He's been consistent. He's been really physical. He has looked like he has taken the steps forward to have a, uh, I hate using this term, but a real breakout year. I mean, Travis Jay, in my opinion, will be a household name as much as a Florida State football player can be a household name within the ACC at the end of the year. Other teams will know about him in the manner that the Florida State fan base knows. And uh, 
kid that everybody's been exceptionally excited about since they signed him out of Madison County. Uh, we were real optimistic about him last year in the preview, but we did say we thought this was a year away. We thought that he was ultimately going to be a really good player for Florida State, but it might be a 2021 thing. Uh, I think that's correct. I think Travis J explodes on the scene this year, and Travis J is uh, where we should start our conversation. I agree with starting there for sure. Um, I have seen some clips from practice that are not public clips. He has pancaked some receivers at the line of scrimmage. Now, look, is that good technique? Sometimes yes, sometimes maybe a little bit over-aggressive. But physically, Travis J is one of the most special players FSU has signed uh, in like the last five years or so. I, I think that's, that's fair to say, right? Number 14 uh, player by ESPN, number 17 by 24-7 Sports, you know, back in, in the class of, of 2020. 2019 Under Armour All-American, uh, you know, played QB and DB for his high school, you know, 44 tackles, four for loss, four, four picks, 15 pass deflections, 1,300 yards passing, 1,000 rushing, 33 touchdowns. Previous year, 59 tackles, eight picks, two return for scores, first team All-State. Just a, a really, really good player, good hooper as well. Uh, picked FSU over Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Auburn. Look. I do think that it's interesting that they moved him to corner. Right? Uh, because he was primarily a safety last year. And people thought he might be some safety stuff. And yet, maybe this allows Travis Jay just to, just to go play and not think. And that's not me like, I don't think Travis Jay is dumb. But sometimes if they, with a young talent, just taking some of the thinking out of it and just letting the guy go play can be beneficial. And I think that's partially what this move is aimed at. He was also banged up last year. Obviously, kid dealing with a lot of stuff. If he can keep it together, man, he really could have a special year. And if FSU is going to be better than 13th in the conference with with this defensive back play, uh, and I do think it will be, uh, then Travis Jay is going to be another, a a really big piece for them. I I would like to bring up something here, by the way. How do we get this that wrong last year? I think that that the coaching staff did a poor job overall of getting these guys ready to play. That's pretty obvious. If like like it's not, I don't think they're necessarily bad coaches or anything. But they these kids did not play well together. They were not on the same page routinely. Uh, they struggled to find any kind of safety who come down and be that eighth man against the run. They did not pass off routes very well. They didn't seem to communicate very well. They didn't look like they had had a lot of reps. And that's true. And a lot of that, I think, is probably pandemic-related. Particularly when Renardo Green got injured. That was, that was a, a big loss, and he was by far the best player at doing what you're talking about. If you're looking right for reasons for this group to take a big leap, despite losing by far its best player, which sounds kind of crazy, it's going to be better communication, Fewer mess, or, you know, fewer, fewer big time screw ups by them, and some young guys staying healthy and rebounding to have have nice years. Travis J would be pretty high on my list there. Um, he is somebody who I'm not going to guarantee he's going to be special, but I think he has the potential to be special. Yeah, another guy. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just I was going to transition to fairly confident in saying Jay's a starter. Uh, there's three other people, in my opinion, competing at the other other cornerback position. Miko Dotson is somebody that a uh, great FCS career, what led the country in interceptions, if I recall correctly. Jarvis Brownlee, somebody that we've always been optimistic about and has continued to 
really have a nice camp. And then Jerry and Jones has been out with what a hand injury, but uh, has kind of been a solid. Um, they they liked the the trajectory of where Jones was going up into that injury. So I think you got three really good options here. Why don't we circle back with Dotson and give a quick recap of where he is? Yeah. So you know, Dotson is somebody I think does have the ability to play at a fairly decent level. Somebody I know when he got hurt, they felt like they really missed more than maybe was publicized by the media, probably because we hadn't seen Dotson do all that much, right? Uh, but now that we've seen him do more, they've certainly seen him do, do a lot in practice. That's a guy they like. Now, he is not a burner, uh, but he does have a lot of kind of savvy and moxie and guile to his game. I guess you could say veteran with, with some decent technique, should know what spots he needs to be in. And the other two kids, Jones and Brownlee, are are more of your physical freak types, right? Jones is is a little bit bigger, a little bit longer than Brownlee is. I think Brownlee uh, is probably tougher. I mean, Jarvis is just an absolute dog out there. He really, really competes in fights and, and gets in receivers' heads. Good athlete. I don't know that he's like a super freak athlete, but I, I would say he's decently athletic enough uh, and a guy who is is not afraid to come up and tackle and be physical. Am I crazy to like the odds of them getting a decent ACC caliber corner opposite of Jay out of that out of those three guys? Maybe I am. Possible. Got burned last year. No, I, I think it's I think it's it's probable. Even I mean I, I think uh, look, don't get fooled again. But I think you're good. You, I think you've got a decent group of players here, and I think you've got some nice young guys that are really going to emerge. You know, Kevin Knowles. If you if you just sat down with a blank slate in your opinion and watched the spring game, you you may well have come away with the idea that Knowles was the best defensive player out there. Now, spring game transition into real life doesn't happen all the time. I'll put it that way. But uh, he's continued to have a really good camp. Coaches are exceptionally optimistic about him. I think he's your starting nickel if you play Notre Dame tomorrow. I I like Knowles a lot too. I just think he and, and I think that he and Jamie Robinson have, have different skill sets at that nickel, right? So Knowles, I really believe, is going to be a valuable player for you. Uh, not that he's not tough, but he's pretty skinny. And that's okay. Uh, he is somebody who I really believe can be valuable in man coverage in the slot. A guy who is quickness, can handle two-way goes, one-on-one, and, and really, he's not a big dude. I think him against the run may not ever be a strength, but just that foot quickness, the ability to change direction and mirror, I think is something that they're going to like a whole lot in him. And it also offers some versatility for him to play, you know, kind of that field corner spot if uh, if somebody were to go down. They, they really do feel like they hit on him quite a bit. Uh, they also will tell you that they feel like they hit on Marion Cooper. Kid at, at, at a and Hunter Washington. Yeah. Oh, you've heard about Hunter because I, I didn't get any feedback on Hunter. So yeah, I've heard some pretty positive things so far on Washington. I, I think they of the groups that they think they really knocked it out of the park. Almost every one of these freshman secondary kids, they're exceptionally optimistic about. It. And I know that's not just coach speak, in my opinion. They'll also tell you about some kids that they have concerns with. Uh, so I don't, I don't fully attribute this just blind optimism. And you know, you sign in your kids, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think they like Washington. I think they're, they they like Cooper, like you said, I think both of these kids get some get some burn this year. Uh, it will be interesting to see. You've got a, a lot of decent options, but 
we can circle back to the first seven or eight minutes of the conversation with a defense where really you're going to try to limit how many linebackers you put on the field, in my opinion, based off what you've got and based off some frustration with that position. Uh, you're going to see you're going to see an awful lot of kids uh, that are corners and safeties deployed, and they're going to try to find ways to have as few liabilities on the field. And unfortunately, that is what a lot of that position group is looked at right now. When you when you look at the kind of the middle layer of that defense, agreed. Uh, by the way, I do have some interesting numbers here. Uh, I know we like the numbers on this show. Quarterback rating allowed when they were the primary person in coverage. Jarvis Brownlee fifty point one. Jerry and Jones. 98.5. And Akeem Dent, 120-something? Akeem Dent, uh, 98.7. So actually only 0.2 uh, worse than, than Jerry and Jones. Nico Dodson. Maybe had a different metric in my mind. Now, there were some analytics that had Dent as like one of the worst defenders in college football last year. I um, saw those, and I, I don't totally disagree with those. I think he had a really, really tough year. Uh, Dotson, by the way, 89. So look, it's not that these are... Uh, infallible numbers, but Jarvis Brownlee, 41% completions allowed, 6.4 yards per attempt. It's just, if you just use last year's numbers, and I think it's very dangerous to do so because last year was a very weird year. They didn't get a lot of reps in practice together. It was a new scheme. They did not do a very good job of learning it or teaching it, installing it, whatever you want to say. Even within those constraints, Jarvis Brownlee, who was a true freshman, played pretty damn well. Now, you can also note that he played sort of down the back half of the schedule when some of the uh, other quarterbacks that were playing were maybe not so good. And that's fair. But he's still better than most of those other dudes out there uh, who were playing corner. He's also just my, probably my favorite player on the team to watch. Just And, and dating back to high school, I just I, I t- remember we talked about him back when he was committed to Miami. I give you credit. You have, uh, you have been... You know, uh, optimistic as to what this kid could become for a long time. It's like a 2018 throwback, uh, I think. Anyway, I, I like Jarvis Brownlee. I think he's a really good player, and he just he's a dude you want to root for. Like I don't see the guy like take you know take reps off. At least not in my my experience. He doesn't dog it. I just think he's when you need him, he's there for you, and he's kind of a great solution for everything, man. He is. He is. I don't know that you meant to, but you certainly have teed me up to another great solution. If you were looking to optimize your business, that would be the good people at Congruity, uh, just people that we've been fortunate to work with. Matt Lewis, just like Shannon and uh, Chad, uh, you know, loves to talk ball just as much as he loves to talk about experience in your business optimized. Congruity has been fantastic for us as a partner. Uh, great for the four people that have, uh, I think, five that have signed up with them. Uh, since we started working with them. So Matt can be reached, Knowles, N-O-L-E-S, at congruityhr.com, or just take a you know general visit to their website, congruityhr.com, or if you wish to just ring them and talk and see what they can do as far as getting the most out of your business, or if you're looking for a PEO, uh, they can be reached at 844-247-4100. Thank you again to the good people at Congruity. How, how did his son's team do in the League World Series, by the way? I have not seen it, to be honest with you. I've had a little bit of a wild weekend. I did see that some of our listeners were complaining that the Florida team's uniforms had way too much orange in them uh, for their liking. But uh, I will circle back to you. And just I, like, I like circle back. It's a very like uh, 2020 Zoom meeting uh, word. Can we appreciate Gavin Weir? Have you seen this? No, please. Gavin Weir, in the Little League World Series and in the regional like tournament leading up to it. 
37 innings pitched, one hit, no runs, 100 strikeouts. He struck out 100 out of 114 batters face. You know, you never want to make too many extrapolations based off, uh, or there's there's another verbal crush of mine. Sorry, uh, I will not use that word. You never want to take away too much from the Little League World Series to what kids ultimately can become. But uh, yeah, that, those are pretty some absurd numbers. It's like he's playing a different sport. This is uh, he's kind of like he's, he's kind of got a little like like three quarter lefty slinging delivery falls off to the right, throws uh, was pretty damn hard. It looks ball probably looks like it's coming out of his jersey at you, you know, six four two ten, little little Chris Sale maybe in, in his delivery. That's crazy. A hundred strikeouts in a hundred and four, hundred fourteen batters face a hundred Ks. Well, you can get that sometime at that age group. Unfortunately, it looks like Florida lost to Washington zero to one, and unfortunately, their fairy tale run appears to have come to an end. So, uh, unfortunate to see there. Still really cool nonetheless, experience. A ridiculous experience. Something that those guys will remember for the rest of their lives, and uh, we certainly send our best to uh, to Matt and McLean Lewis. And uh, I look forward to hearing about their experience. And uh, unfortunately, didn't come home with a trophy, but quite the Quite the summer for that family. No doubt. So um, let's move to safeties real quick. We have Jamie Robinson, um, who you mentioned, you think Kevin Knowles probably starts in the slot, you know, the, what, what they call the stud. I, I don't disagree with you there. However, uh, I will note that I think your, your slot corner slash third safety, it, when they want to go with the bigger look, Robinson, I, I really believe, is a player uh, who is likely to be a starter either at safety uh, when, when they have three backers on the field, which is not going to be very often. If you look at who's on their schedule, they play a whole lot of spread teams, probably not going to have a whole lot of, uh, uh, of you know, four, three looks out there or three, four looks, what have you. Robinson's going to be on, on the field. He was very productive at South Carolina. He was not a great player at South Carolina, but he was a, a pretty decent player there. Uh, so, a jar, or excuse me, uh, adjusted yards per attempt when targeted, 6.7. Uh, quarterback rating allowed, 76. So not great, but when you, but not terrible. And when you combine that uh, with some of his other stuff, I mean, he was very productive against the run. Let's see here. Yeah, 643 snaps, 38 tackles in 45 attempts. So a pretty high tackle percentage getting guys on the ground, uh, tackles per snap. He was like, I think, second or third highest on the team for South Carolina. Uh, and he also was you know, fairly good the year before as well. I, I think they're, they're just happy to have him as a competent dude who may be like competent plus or or maybe maybe ends up being very good. Who knows? He could take a step. To me, he didn't profile as like a superstar when they got him in the portal from South Carolina, but, but somebody who understands what it takes to play uh, you know, SEC-level defense, which... Granted, South Carolina's defense was kind of hot garbage last year too. That's a that's a nice thing because they really did struggle last year in that role. Like they they struggled to find people they liked there. And whether it's him playing down over the slot or playing one of the safety spots, man, I I think I think they're going to like what they have in Jamie Robinson. Yeah, uh, don't interpret my comment about Knowles that Robinson's not a starter. In my opinion, he, he absolutely is. Uh, and you're right if you are going with a package where you want a little bit more of a run support from the nickel than yeah, Robinson, in my opinion, is your starter. Otherwise he's a starter, you know, one of your two traditional safety positions. So uh, they like what they have there. Maybe not, you know, quite the impact that they 
think they've gotten his out of his teammate or, or flashed as much of his teammate along the defensive line. But Robinson's going to be a big player for you, in my opinion. Great to get uh, a Lee County kid that you can, you know, feature a little bit here on your defense and, um, you know, very much what you need here. I like some of your other pieces. It will be fascinating to see what Akeem Dent ultimately looks like at safety, a guy that, as we mentioned, if he catches two or, you know, one or two, three more balls in 2019, he's a freshman All-American. Everybody's exceptionally excited about what you have. Uh, unfortunately, the follow-up from a fairly solid freshman campaign was a exceptionally disappointing sophomore campaign. I mean, like I said, there are some analytics out there that would paint Akeem Dent as one of the worst, uh, you know, secondary players in the country. That's not the case. That's not going to hold over time, but he had a really tough year last year. So it will be interesting to see how he bounces back. Uh, I've heard good things about him, but I'm not going to make a whole lot of optimistic talk about a kid one year into a position pay, uh, change. I'd love to see it. Uh, I'll be, I'll wait until I see it before I really start uh, telling y'all how good of a player Dent's going to be this year. I, I agree with you on that. I also think that Dent is a guy who has not had like the catastrophic injury, but has had a whole lot of, of real just nagging injuries. And it's just not been able, you know, to to just get it right physically and to put it together. And he's not a guy I'm willing to to write off. I don't think he's a bad dude. You know I mean, and I, I don't think he's lazy or anything. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of how he does now that that his brother, uh, you know, the the walk on Darius Dent uh, has, has moved on. Man, I, I just I have some hope still. I'm not guaranteeing that he starts. In fact, I'm not not really leaning uh, that way. But I do think he has he has some real upside. And if they're able to kind of get him back to anywhere close to what he was projected at, if he can just stay healthy and, and start to build from here on out, he still has, what, three years left, I think, because of the COVID stuff? It's not crazy to think he could end up being something. Not something great necessarily right now, but I, I do think he'll have a bounce back here, most likely, just because he's healthy and, and he gets to work you know, with this staff. Uh, Brendan Ganson, next year we're going to talk about somebody, a player that I have liked, uh, a little bit limited in pass coverage, but I have long said this, that in the mental processing of football geometry, I think Gant may be your best player as far as diagnosing where a play is going and taking a straight line path to be there where the ball carrier is going. Uh, he's got some intangibles that I really like. Uh, he is, like I said, Probably the most physical player of this group. Uh, we'll see what Brown looks like ultimately. Uh, nothing but good things have been heard from him, and Brown brings a level of physicality needed to this group. Uh, but Gant is going to be a massive contributor here. Uh, I really you know, like his body type, like what he can bring to you. Maybe, you know, maybe grows into another position with another year or so, in my opinion, uh, if they can desperately continue to need help at a lower level of the defense, but uh, somebody that I'm excited to see how he continues to progress. And uh, like I said, the guy that if you need a safety to come up and run support uh, far and away, the best option, in my opinion. I, I, I agree with you there for sure. You know, tackling has to get a little bit better, but he is, he is willing to be physical on it. And, and I, I think he's a pretty smart player. Somebody who could end up being a starter for you. I feel like safety, the starters are not totally, you know, short up. I'm going to be interested to see, and I, I think this is a spot where a lot of guys will will end up playing. Bernardo Green is another guy. Now, physically not freaky, did play some corner in high school as well. Uh, I should mention, by the way, that Dent, Dent was a safety in high school who played corner in seven-on-seven. Seven. So him moving from corner back to safety you know, permanently, 
is kind of interesting because it, it, we have seen him do this before. He's a guy who can roam, seems to have a decent you know feel for the field and and, and vision. So I'm I'm not totally uh, totally out on, on Dent there for that reason either. But back to Renardo Green, guy who was pretty productive when he was healthy. When he went out, you could see the defense go down. He's somebody who I think has a strong chance to start for them. Not the most freakish athlete, but can run okay. He's not he's not big. Would, would when you say that's kind of the knock on Roger Green, he's just like like for a safety, he's they list him six foot one eighty nine. Okay, maybe started the first five games, twenty seven tackles, point five for loss, forced fumble, one pass breakup, uh, and then you know he he got dinged. Not a whole lot more to add there. Like I like I said previously, when when Green left, you had a greater appreciation for what he brought to the table than maybe you did in the first four games that he played, uh, and you could see the component that he brought to that defense. And as soon as he was gone, you know, trying to find somebody else that could go up, diagnose a run, and and uh, you know make a play was was hard to find. So, uh, I you know really solid player. I don't know that the uh, you know not to throw around no pass cliches. I think the floor is pretty high here. Don't know that the ceiling is all that off what the floor is really. I mean, uh, I don't know that you've got a, a superstar, but a guy that if healthy is a really consistent player and uh, somebody that, you know, will be, like you said, I think Robinson will, I'll, I'll be interested when we go back or even when we do our snap count draft, how we try to break this down. Cause I, I do think there's going to be a really large kind of sharing of the pie when it comes to snaps at this group, with the exception of Robinson. Robinson will get, uh, you know, the lion's share and we'll have a pretty decent amount of gap between anybody else when you go back and look at this group. Uh, now, Shaheem Brown of the true freshman, bud, maybe the guy that we've consistently gotten the most positive reports back on, and that really started from the day he stepped on campus. You know, I don't necessarily, look, obviously the level of competition and some of these picks that he's come up with and stuff, you got to run that through a filter. But when every other practice, a guy's creating a turnover, a guy's uh, causing a fumble, whatever else, then I'm not going to say competition doesn't matter. But when you have that level of consistency, I think you can feel a lot more confident about buying in the hype. And Shaheen Brown's been one of the more consistent players you've had through, uh, you know, through this period of preseason practice. So uh, be fascinated to see what it looks like. In my opinion, Florida State's defense is just better when it's got a kid from Lake City out there. Uh, thumping heads and it's great to see somebody fill that role and uh, really excited what Brown looks like because Lord knows uh, he has been uh, you know nothing nothing but a bright light so far. Do you notice that Shane Brown he, he doesn't act like an idiot on social media and I think that that's encouraging like I'm not I'm not saying it makes you a bad person if you do but like for a freshman for an 18 year old I'm sure I would have acted like a like a dummy if I was 18. He when he tweets stuff like love the game heart emoji with another so he, he had yeah he had a pick in, in, in the scrimmage right and then uh you know he had what did he have another pick and a fumble recovery the day before and then uh oh yeah interception the day before so now let's go back to like we said as, as consistent as anybody you, you've had so far it's, it does seem like he picks off uh now granted if it, is it Chubba party or Tate Rodemaker sometimes yes is that that hard to do History so far, I said no, but still, it counts. And he's a true freshman. He, he got two more picks on August 19th. And 
I don't think these are totally overblown scrimmage type stats or practice type stats because Adam Fuller does seem to tweet out, tweet out graphics uh, for every single takeaway that happens during practice. And they call it mission takeaway. They really firmly believe that, uh, that they hit on Shane Brown. They do. And it wouldn't totally shock me, by the way, if he two years from now grows into a, grows into like one of these really nice coverage linebackers, but they feel like they hit on him in a big way. And that's encouraging. I am not real worried about the future of this position here at FSU. I think it will be good. I do not know that it takes a massive leap this year. If it's going to take a big leap, you are betting on it taking a big leap, primarily because continuity, coaching, guys staying a little bit healthier and just understanding how to play with each other in this defense. However, I'm a little bit reluctant to buy in for a couple reasons. Number one, I don't think these receivers are going against her any good. You know, like since we recorded the receiver preview, I really haven't heard anything like that would change my mind to make, make me think anybody's taking a huge step forward. I mean, if anything, I've heard more hype about Malik McClain. And that was something in the program telling me he could be a three and out guy if he stays healthy and lives up to potential, which is great. But he's still a true freshman this year. So these guys, we, we've received the reports. They've looked really good in practice. It's kind of the same thing with the, with the defensive line. We know the offensive line has had a lot of guys out with the COVID stuff, right? So who are you actually going up against? I mean, does it mean anything that you're, you know, that you're, you're kind of stonewalling Andrew Parchment in the line of scrimmage or you know, that you're dominating Keyshawn Helton or Ontario Wilson? Not really. Those guys are kind of threes and you don't have a one. And some people will tell you you don't have a two as far as receivers on, on this squad. I, it, that's the reason why I'm a little bit hesitant to buy in because I know that, that week in, week out, most of the time, the guys you're going to be playing are not. Like FSU's receivers can't hold their jack. Step up in competition will be interesting to see how they handle this thing. Final kid that we'll look at at the safety position. Uh, you've since moved to Orlando, and um, I'm going to create a Patreon level to which I will give you Bud's address, and you can go visit him and ask him questions directly here in the near future. But Jadarius McKnight is from your original neck of the woods down there from Fort Myers, Bud. Uh, give us opinion about a player that uh, you saw more, what I think played in the last six games of the season. So certainly a guy that got some more play uh, as the year went on and had uh, you know some of his better games against Duke and seemed to end the year uh, in a positive manner. Yeah, not, not somebody that I have tremendously high hopes for, but is somebody who can hit a bit of a tweener, kind of get that like small linebacker, bigger safety body, not real tall. Yeah, they list him at what five eleven two nineteen or something like that. I mean, that is a that's exactly what you're describing. I mean, that is kind of a small linebacker in your secondary. So we'll see how they use him. Certainly, somebody who, if he wants to have that buy-in, can can contribute on special teams as well. I don't know that. I don't know. I don't know that he's going to get a ton of run. But you're right. He did improve as, as the year year wore on. And man, if we're looking for kind of just looking for kernels here, just trying to try to find something positive. People getting better as the year goes on certainly is one of those. I think two other guys who could be versatile for you this year, right? One is uh, Jarquez McClellan, who I believe is a walk-on from from Arkansas, and Sidney Williams, who you took in the 2020 class, uh, who has has made a couple plays. I think those guys could actually play corner 
or safety, depending on the circumstance. That circumstance might be emergency circumstance. We'll see. Uh, but certainly in Williams' case, somebody who I think they are uh, somewhat encouraged by for for the longer term. Yeah, I was going to say Jarquez might have had his situation cleared up today with uh, Brandon Moore leaving, but I don't know their exact numbers, and it's not one of their favorite topic of conversations for us to deep dive into. But uh, it was that you you've kind of alluded to some of the ways that they were going to make the numbers work. Right. So they're they're in their fifty eighth minute, or we're in our fifty eighth minute. Um, you know, not that people don't listen this far in, but I think maybe he could help you out. See, I he kind of had kind of weird, kind of weird thing in Arkansas there, right? Like a good freshman year and then kind of nothing. And I don't know. You want to talk about the future a little bit? Future might be pretty bright here. Future's real bright. Uh, Demore Tate's not a kid that we've talked about. Doesn't mean that we don't think is going to contribute, but almost um, if you're optimistic, I would say, look, Tate's career may follow a similar trajectory to Travis J. Doesn't mean it's not going to come good at the end. A kid that's one of the better recruits that you've signed, a kid that you had to beat Alabama and everybody else for, uh, five-star, depending on where you looked at, as high as, what, I think the fifth-rated DB in his class. So, you know, again, one of the higher-ranked kids that you've signed. He's had some injuries. He's had some things disrupt his developmental uh, process. Doesn't mean that he's a total write-off, but in our opinion, at this point, it's not a 2021 conversation. It's something that you'll see in the future. Just an absolute freak of an athlete came in, was, to my understanding, an academic redshirt, right? Which means like, you know, you're, you get in, but you have to take that year to focus on grades. No problem with that. It happened. We've seen guys do that and be successful. Then he immediately gets hurt in spring. I just think that has, that has set him back quite a bit as far as developmental schedule. What I don't know is has that hurt his ultimate ceiling? Or is that level of athleticism still in there? I want to see him fully healthy with the year under his belt and then reassess. I do not anticipate him being like a big-time contributor this year, kind of like the top, you know, Thomas Schrader or, or an Emmett Rice type thing, and probably you know even more so. But I think, I mean, you can't write, there's no way you can write off a guy who has that level of athleticism who has not bombed for character or talent or any of those reasons. He just got hurt. And as far as I know, he's going to bounce back from it. Like we said, the developmental you know process has been interrupted, but doesn't mean that in our opinion, we don't think he ultimately gets there. Um, so we started the podcast with our obligatory Travis Hunter reference, and we'll certainly uh, almost use another horrible cliche there, but we'll come back to it again. The future is exceptionally bright. If you can hold these kids, if you can get Travis Hunter signed, if you can get Sam McCall signed, uh, then you've done an outrageously good job on the recruiting trail, and you've put two guys that uh, you know may very well be starters for you next year, or at least are going to really uh, hunters a starter for you somewhere. Uh, I can tell you that much. And McCall is somebody that's going to come in and push immediately. So two great talents. It'll be interesting to see what the rest of the class has in it if they do continue to add to the secondary. But uh, everybody knows our thoughts and opinions on these two guys. And uh, credit to the coaching staff for securing two of the better players in the country from the from the secondary. No doubt about it. If Hale is going to post rank these things, where do you think? Nine or ten. I think he got this one wrong a little bit. Uh, I, I do think Florida State's got a lot of nice pieces here, and uh, if the Travis Drake stuff comes true, you may have an all conference player, a first team all conference player, and that doesn't rate with the 12th best secondary or the 13th best secondary in the conference. I think that's fair. 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about in that range too. Uh, I do have some questions about depth. If, if, if a guy or two were to go down, we like those true freshmen. They're still true freshmen and not like COVID true freshmen where they were here last year. They're like, actually, they were in high school last year. Yeah, man, I think the future's pretty bright at this position. They're, they're doing a good job with it. This is not one of the positions that I have concerns for long-term, like linebacker. I could legitimately see you having the third or fourth best group in the conference next year. I mean, the, the, like you said, the, this is a nice trajectory. You're doing great things on the recruiting trail. Let's just see a little bit better coordinated defense. Like you said, a little more communication, some of the things that you can clean up. And uh, this is a unit that uh, I think we'll be excited about for years to come. All right, y'all, there's another position preview in the group. We have kind of, uh, I don't want to say slow played, but we've waited for as much information as possible at the quarterback position. That'll be our final, our next and final position preview. Certainly support the, appreciate the support that we've received. Uh, We haven't been releasing these daily, but it's kind of every other day. And uh, we have been ranked like a top 200 sports podcast in the United States over the past two weeks or so. So it gives you an idea as to where we can be with a little bit more frequent content. There's not necessarily another period of the season where we put stuff out as frequently as this, but uh, thank you so much for your support. If you get a chance to subscribe to our YouTube page, uh, that is greatly appreciated. If you can like a video, good deal there. Five-star review wherever you find us via the uh, you know the podcast provider universe out there. And uh, this has been another Nolcast. So for Bud, myself, our producer, and everybody that is behind the scenes at the Nolcast, we thank you, and we'll be back shortly with the quarterback preview. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.